Hey, good morning. I want to welcome you to Crosspoint Fellowship. I know that uh, if you are if you're uh, connecting at this point this morning, then that means that you have um, you're probably listening to it later today or later this week. And I want to give you a heads up to go ahead and fast forward 10 minutes unless you want to hear some announcements in a few minutes. But I'll share those announcements at the end of the morning as well. Uh, but I just want to let you know you're in the right place and uh, you can just hang in there um, or you can fast forward or you can watch this wall for the next 10 minutes. Glad you're here. Hey, more. Just where you want to be in the light, or no. I had the supper over there just to keep it out of your way, but there's plenty. Of no, you can leave, leave me. Alone. Is Daniel driving separate? Yeah. Ah. Hey, we're glad you're here. You're in the right place. If you have uh, logged on to, or trying to connect to Crosspoint Fellowship on Sunday morning, the uh, 10th of May, uh, you're about five minutes early and you are um, invited to fast forward ahead five minutes. If you're listening to this later in the week, if you're on live right now, you, of course, you know, you can't go forward in time. So you're stuck with uh, just hanging out, uh, watching us for the next five minutes, uh, just mill about smartly. So we'll see you in a few minutes.
That's it. And then I cannot find a tissue. That's no, not no, you're fine. It's just I can't. What's wrong with the tissues? I mean, it hurt. The, it's just rougher. That's rougher than a Yeah. No, I mean, it's totally fine. It's just like okay. I can. We're going to start in about three minutes. Uh, we're glad you're here. Uh, got folks that are connecting right now and we'll probably will be over the next few minutes. But if you're logging in later this uh, later today or later this week, you can fast forward about three minutes or so to the very beginning, unless you just want to hang out for a few minutes. Bradford just told me I got this technology thing down. I'm getting the hang of this. I hope I don't. I hope I, I don't get much more of the hang of it. I'm ready to uh, to be back together. We are about a minute out, so you guys hang tight. We'll get started here in just a moment. Yes, just kind of keep it um, silent, though. Huh? Oh, awesome. Okay. Okay, you can shut it down. Hey, happy Mother's Day. We're glad that you're with us this morning. I'm going to start our morning with uh, uh, some announcements uh, to give uh, uh, and I'll share these announcements also at the end. So if you if you're jumping on right now and you kind of hear the tail end of an announcement, you're like, oh, wait a minute. I want to hear more about that. Uh, I'll share that at the very end and then we'll go into a time of prayer and then a time in the word together. Uh, and then we'll end the morning with our supper time. I'll, I'll share the announcements again and then we'll close out our morning with a benediction. Uh, so first of all, uh, let me just share some brief announcements uh, with you. Uh, of course, um, we are still uh, in a phase, a stage of being disconnected from one another. And we are trying to navigate this season in a way that's sensitive to our community, sensitive to the guidelines that have been put in front of um, our, our local businesses, for example, 
we are not enslaved to those guidelines. We are free to worship and have been from the very beginning. But we're trying to be mindful of our community and be good neighbors right now. Uh, we don't want to weaponize one another by um, uh, infecting one another with something that uh, is, is too much for our community to handle and something that we could uh, perpetuate the spread. So we're trying to be very careful, but not enslaved and not moving out of fear. So it's just a, uh, a concern for our community. So one of the things that we're doing right now um, is we are beginning to put some dates on the calendar uh, of dates that we're hoping to transition to new to the next phase. And phasing is the language that our uh, government, uh, both national government and local governments are using state governments. So we want to use that same language. So we are kind of talking the same, uh, using the same verbiage. We're talking about the end of May to go to phase two. Now, if our community uh, is in front of that, uh, if our state advances to phase two, we're currently in a phase one uh, status right now. If we advance to phase two uh, earlier as a community, then there's a chance that we could incorporate some of that earlier as a church. But just for planning purposes, um, Kyle Louder had a good term that he used. Uh, to, we need to identify some dates so we can give some runway to our ministries that are trying to plan. And uh, we're trying to give some runway by putting a phase two date of May 31st. Uh, so May 31st, we're hoping to be uh, gathering uh, at least in uh, life groups or small groups of folks, some of them here on campus in our main building again, possibly some of them here in the foyer where I'm video, videoing this uh, live feed from, possibly some at the end of our hallway in the children's uh, wing there, and possibly someone in, in the, um, the youth building. So we have lots of places here on location that would, would be gathering spots if we wanted to gather in small groups uh, where we could uh, still uh, consider the sermon together uh, in a live feed. We could have the supper together. We could uh, possibly, what's being discussed is having a time of live worship in the worship center where we could join in through that um, medium of uh, television or uh, video uh, and possibly in person for some of the folks in the worship center. Probably the earliest folks we would invite to be in the worship center with us would be folks that don't have good comm and don't have good Wi-Fi or um, phone coverage that they could get a hotspot in their home and they're having a difficult time chiming in or connecting in uh, with us on Sunday morning. So that may be our earliest invites uh, and then our, our worship team possibly and our sound team and their families and that would keep us within some guidelines there of 50 below or so. So that's kind of a preliminary plan of the 31st of May. We're hoping to be in phase three where we're all together um, in mid-June. So that'd be around June 14th. And that would involve uh, a corporate worship time where children would be with us. We would not have childcare provided during that period. So children would be sitting with families and families would be sitting at sort of a spaced distance throughout our worship center. And I know this sounds like a drag, it's not a drag. It's just something we have to work through as a, a church family. It's something we're having to work through as a community and really, frankly, as a world right now. So we want to be uh, good stewards um, with our um, time that we spend together. We want to continue to equip the saints because the saints are still called, maybe especially called right now, to be salty, bright, and aromatic in this season. So we don't want to put equipping the saints on hold. We don't want to put worship on hold. So we want to work at worship in this season, but we want to be mindful of how we can go about it in a way that's uh, being a good neighbor in our community. So announcements, other announcements. Uh, this is the month that we're praying for our uh, first responders. So we have, and medical folks. So if, if you are a family member, uh, a church family member, and you are medical uh, first responder or medical personnel know that you're being prayed for this month by name. We're praying for your staff on um, Tuesday, um, midday at our staff meetings. We're praying for you as the men gather on Wednesday morning and pray. Uh, I know life groups are lifting you up. Uh, we're lifting you up here on Sunday mornings and we're thankful for how you serve us and serve our community. And especially in these seasons like now where uh, you're, you're out there in harm's way. And uh, we appreciate we appreciate the role that you have and the part that you play. And we're praying for you. Uh, we're also um, the uh, something I want to encourage you to do as part of our announcements is to invite others to join us online. Uh, there are folks right now that may not visit a local church. Um, they may um, be concerned about stepping in the doors. That's, that's a daunting task for folks. And sometimes folks that deal with anxiety and fear and worry about uh, meeting new people, um, uh, worry about stepping into a church experience that might be strange for them. That could be really frightening. And this could be a front door for folks to hear the teaching and preaching of the word uh, where they can come to know Christ 
through the thing that this has drawn the saints for a few thousand years. So uh, it's a pretty cool opportunity that we have in front of us where we can encourage others to, hey, man, I want to invite you to listen online to the teaching and preaching of the word. Um, it's not a joke time. It's not a story time. It's a time where we take God's word that we believe is living and active and um, we expose it and set it loose set it free, and that through that, the Holy Spirit changes us and transforms us and draws us into his presence and transforms us into uh, the image of his son. So it's a wonderful opportunity that we have in front of us. So I want to encourage you with that that notion. And um, well, I'll share those, those announcements again at the end. So if you jumped in midstream, don't fret. We'll come back to those announcements at the end of the morning. Let me uh, continue our time in prayer. Uh, we're going to pray for our mothers. We're going to pray for uh, a people group in India, the Kapu people. Uh, we're going to pray for our medical and first responders, and we're going to pray for um, another church in our community, uh, Fellowship Bible Church, and uh, their pastor, Travis Chappelle. Let's pray. God, we are thankful for this time that we have together. and thankful for this medium, uh, albeit uh, disconnected and, and uh, two-dimensional, Lord. We are thankful that, that you are multidimensional and that you are invading this space and this time that we, through the work of the Holy Spirit, are gathering at your feet. Uh, we're thankful that you have um, shaped and built a people here and that you are drawing us into your presence this morning. We acknowledge that. We celebrate that. And we pray that you would use this time, even as we're disconnected, to, uh, to, to be equipped, uh, to be stirred, uh, to be encouraged, um, and to be taught even as you teach us this morning on prayer. Lord, this morning, too, we want to pray for a people group. We want to pray for the Kapu people of India, a people group of 15 million, 0.02% of which are Christian. We want to lift up this people group, the Kapu, and ask you to draw them into your presence. Lord, we ask you to draw people of this people group, men and women of peace, uh, who can be salty and bright and aromatic among this people group, to draw them into your, into your family, to open the eyes of their hearts to the greatness of Christ crucified and risen so that they may come to know their creator. Lord, we pray that you would send workers to the field, that there would be folks that would be uh, uncomfortable with staying, that some of our families, some of our young people, um, some of maybe even our retired folk that might just be uncomfortable with staying and living the American dream uh, would rather go and tell and share and go to the far corner, sowing the good seed of the kingdom. Lord, we ask you to do something wonderful as we lift up this massive prayer for a massive people group that you would do something wonderful and draw them into your presence. Lord, also we want to pray for another church in our community, praying for Fellowship Bible Church and for Travis Chappelle and his family. Lord, we are thankful for the, the ministry that Travis has to uh, uh, to the, the church family at Fellowship Bible Church. We're thankful for the ministry that Fellowship Bible Church has to this community. Uh, I know folks that have been part of Fellowship Bible Church for, for a number of years, and they are continuing to move in a way that is um, uh, Christ-like, uh, continue to move in a way that is a salty and aromatic and bright in our community. And we are thankful for the opportunity to lift them up. Pray that you would bless Travis and his family. I pray for his uh, marriage, Lord, that he would be blessed, um, that worship would fuel his marriage as he's hopefully transformed to... Um, over time to look more and more like Christ loving the church as he loves his wife. Lord, we entrust this church family to you and ask you to bless them and to grow them for your glory. Lord, also want to pray for our, our medical uh, folks and our first responders and just the uh, demand on all of the above right now. Lord, we are thankful that, that they serve us in these in so many ways that uh, we can't even imagine uh, the, the, the weight that they carry. Lord, we just ask you to sustain them uh, to uh, bless them. Lord, we pray that you would fuel them with worship, that as they serve our community and serve uh, those that have uh, crises or, or needs of various sorts, that, that they would be governed by, fueled by, animated by the greatness of Christ and his work for us and in union with Christ, that they would have a, um, a well, uh, an infinite well to draw on uh, of resources, just entrusting them to you to bless them. Lord, also we want to pray for those who are sick, um, those who are recovering, those who are anxious, those who are concerned, um, those who are um, maybe immuno-challenged, uh, immuno, uh, 
sensitive. Uh, Lord, we just lift up all of the above to you and ask you to be glorified in their lives and their families, Lord, to give them a peace that can only come from you. Lord, we do ask for protection over your people. I pray that you would keep us and guard us and keep us, first of all, uh, in your name. And um, we're just entrusting this people to you in the various places that we find ourselves today. And two, I want to pray for our businesses, local businesses that may be struggling, local uh, uh, employees of those businesses that may be out of work or may be out of uh, income right now. Lord, we pray that all of the above would draw on you and would lean into you right now. We are entrusting all these many prayers to you and thankful that you hear our prayers, that you're not too busy, that you care, and that you love us. We're praying these things in Christ's name. Amen. We um, have never seen so many people walking in our neighborhood. We've been in our, our neighborhood at Oak Creek Estates for 17 years now, and uh, it's like a parade in our neighborhood. Even this morning, as I was driving into um, the building, driving up to Crossmont Fellowship Campus, I saw a number of people out walking this morning. And that's not unusual on a Sunday morning, but the amount and number of people out, out walking this morning uh, is, is, is surprising and shocking. In our neighborhood at any time of day, but especially the late afternoon, early evening, the coolest part of the day, we see lots of folks out for walks. We've had a kind of a joke around our house um, these last couple of months. Christy and I usually have a conversation in the morning or the evening about, hey, what's going on tomorrow or what's going on today? Just so we're kind of tracking on the same sheet of music. And the, the response has really been the, the, the menu for dinner. Uh, what's going on tomorrow? Ham. That's kind of been our response. So we've, we really haven't had a whole lot to do other than continue to prepare to teach and preach, uh, to eat food and to go on walks. So the McGraws have been on lots and lots and lots of walks. Now, I haven't been on near as many walks as the rest of the crew because, frankly, I'm usually too busy. And now I'm sharing that as a confession. I'm usually too busy. I'll come back to that. But one of the things that's cool about the people that are going for walks, when I see Christy and Evan go for a walk or Luke and Becca or all of the above go for a walk and they're spending time together, as you see people walking around our neighborhood or maybe walking around your neighborhood, one of the things that you can observe as you watch people walk is you can watch them commune. You can watch them connect. It's only a few of them are truly or in, truly in a hurry. There's a group of four ladies that walk around our neighborhood that walk pretty fast. But yet they're even even with the pace that they're walking, they're still spending time talking and connecting. And that's something that's true of folks who walk. They talk about something that's in someone's yard, an interesting piece of furniture or a, um, a, an interesting tree or how healthy the grass is or a, a dog in the backyard. Or they talk about how pretty the day is or they talk about what they what they want to do in that, you know, in the next chapter of their lives. I mean, it could be as shallow or as deep, but it just flows as people spend time communing together. There's one couple that walks around our neighborhood that I would bet have been married 50 years. They're a long, they've had a long time presence in our community. He's a retired physician. And when we see them walking, when I see them walking, my thought is, I bet they have a wonderful marriage because every night, every evening, this husband and wife spend time walking and communing. One of the things I'm hoping for um, in this season, one of the things that it's interesting, I was on a, uh, um, a Zoom meeting with a bunch of pastors last week. And one of the things that they're hoping for as well is that our world and our community and those we serve will have in this past season had a taste of what it means to slow down to three miles an hour, to slow down to a walking pace, to have things that are typically on your schedules populating every single night of the week to be canceled so that all you have left to do is figure out what you're going to cook for dinner and how many walks you're going to go on over the course of the day. And we are hoping that a product of this season will be that we as a people, as the people of God, that we've had a little taste of what it means be busy to where we can truly connect with one another in a meaningful way and have time to walk, have time to commune, and have time to enjoy each other at three miles an hour. It might surprise you to know that we're made for this. 
not this season necessarily, but made to walk at a walking pace, made to live at a walking pace. I, years ago, I preached a message uh, titled A Three Mile an Hour God. I think it came from a book that I read some years ago, and I can't recall the author right now, but I love that image. A God who spoke the galaxies into place with just a word. A God who has so much power, infinite power, showed up here 2,000 years ago, took on our flesh, and showed up in a day and age when there were no cars. Showed up in a day and age where the fastest thing we see him moving on, which probably wasn't very fast, is a donkey's colt. This God showed up and walked at three miles an hour. It takes me back to the very beginning where we were made and wondering if this might connect to what we were made for. Genesis chapter three, verse eight says, and they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. The cool of the day, actually, I have a little note down at the bottom of my Bible that says that the windy, the breezy part of the day, you know, that nice part of the day where the temperature is just right, where you can barely tell if it's really any different than your body temperature in, in terms of the way it feels. Obviously not that warm, but it just doesn't feel cold, doesn't feel hot. It just feels perfect. And here God is walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And yet the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Here's God walking in the cool of the day, looking for Adam. And he calls to them. The Lord God called to the man and said, where are you? Man, what a marvel that we have a God that actually wants to search for us and walk with us and commune with us in the cool of the day. But you know how the story goes. You know why Adam and Eve were hiding. You know what they'd done by this point. They had taken of the forbidden tree and eaten of the forbidden tree and sin had already distanced us from our creator. And as a consequence of that sin, Adam and Eve were evicted from the garden and man has been trying to commune with God ever since. Groping after God, clawing after God, longing, maybe even unknowingly, for walks with God in the cool of the day. That's what we were made for. So I long for that with God. I long for that communing with God and that relationship of walking with him in the cool of the day. It's always stirred me, that passage, the notion of a God coming to walk and calling to his creatures. I find that I, as I long for it and I wish for this with my God, um, how I pray doesn't necessarily reflect that. It doesn't reflect the desire that I have for communion. And I think this, this season that we're in and, and, and starting this Sunday in the coming weeks, as the Lord teaches us on prayer, hopefully that will fill some space for us where we can reframe this concept of prayer to the point where we're connecting it to communion with our creator, where we can have the thought of slowing down to enjoy and consider God. Here's my problem. When someone asks me to pray, maybe it's a function I've gone to and they're like, hey, you're one of the pastors here or you're a pastor in our community. Can you pray for our time together? And I'm like, of course, you know, it's not something that I run to, but it's something I'm willing to do. I will pray um, when asked and when others are in earshot. But when I'm alone, I find that I'm easily distracted. When I'm alone, if I have an occasion where I get up early in the morning and I want to spend some time in prayer, man, I can find myself asleep very quickly. I find myself distracted thinking about all the things I have to do over the course of the day. I find that, frankly, I'm too busy to walk with God at three miles an hour. I think that's, that's my problem. It doesn't actually give me a product as I spend time with him in prayer that I can uh, hit, hit print and have something to pass out. It doesn't give me a block that I can check, some sort of tangible um, uh, objective outcome. It doesn't give me some, some product that I can pass out and show that I've done something. And I feel like as my burden for communing with him connects to what I know about myself, 
I feel like right now that I'm, I need this season. I need this season studying at the Lord's feet where he teaches me and teaches us, hopefully, about what it means to commune with him. I need to stop down and take a really close look at the center of the center of the Sermon on the Mount. I mean, the center of the center of the Sermon on the Mount where he teaches us to pray. I need some remedial help on what that means. If I want to commune with him, then I must learn how to pray. He's going to teach us this morning how not to pray. And in the coming weeks, he's going to teach us from this simple, beautiful prayer how to pray. I need to know from the only one who can help me how to commune with my creator. Now, if some of you out there are prayer warriors and man, you just naturally have always been this sort of prayer machine and you can get up like with the Puritans at four in the morning and spend hours in prayer and it's devoted and dedicated. And if you were to write your prayer, it would be in a leather bound journal that we would pass out to everybody. If, if you're that person, then please just indulge the rest of us. Please, in fact, pray for the rest of us where we need real help and what it means to commune with and connect with our God in prayer. If you would, go ahead and stand with me for the reading of God's word this morning from Matthew chapter 6, beginning in verse 5. And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, that they may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your father who is in secret and your father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your father knows what you need before you ask him. Pray then like this, our father, in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Lead us not in temptation, but deliver us from evil. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your father forgive your trespasses. Let's pray together. God, speak to us, please, through this time at the feet of Jesus. Speak to us from the center of the center of the Sermon on the Mount. Open our eyes to the beauty of what was hard won for us already through the cross. Show us how to commune with you through this teaching from Jesus. We're praying these things in Christ's name. Amen. You can be seated. Okay, the plan, the plan for the morning. I, I'll share this with you. Um, I've really struggled with the preparation of this sermon. I'll tell you why. I don't ever really feel like I've got anything down that I'm preaching on. I never have a thought that, man, yeah, I'm, I'm doing great on this. But when it comes to prayer, man, I feel like I am really remedial. I feel like, I, as I confessed already this morning, I find I'm too busy for really quality prayer. I have to connect to groups of prayer and a commitment to prayer with other people so that I won't start thinking about my to-do list. So I'll actually be focused enough to start and finish a prayer to the, the, to the God who spoke creation into existence. It's embarrassing. So I, 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 I actually typically on a, on a sermon prepare a, a, a draft, an outline, and I work on that over the course of the week. And then I print that out typically on, on at some point on Saturday and I mark it up with my pen. I've done that probably seven or eight times over the course of this week because I'm just ditching it, just ditching one right after another because I want to say too much or I want to say too little. I don't know where the Lord, the Lord wants me to land on what to share this morning. So all I'm going to share this morning, it might be a short sermon. I don't think it's going to be a long sermon. It might be um, maybe a little different from typical. I don't, I don't know what it's going to be. All I know is I believe this is where the Lord landed me this morning to just deal with what prayer or how not to pray this morning, how not to pray. And in the coming weeks, we'll develop how to pray. Okay, so this morning, how not to pray really begins in verse five and it ends in verse eight. 
He deals with two groups of people, the hypocrite and the Gentile. So let's first deal with the hypocrite. Let me read verse five and six again. We talked about hypocrisy some last week, but we spoke about hypocrisy in sort of a broad sweep, a broad stroke. And this morning we're going to connect specifically to prayer and how not to pray, dealing first with the hypocrite and then with the Gentile and how each of these groups pray and how we should not pray that way as a follower of Christ. So first the hypocrite. And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners that they may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your father who is in secret and your father who sees in secret will reward you. Now the hypocrites prayed for all the wrong reasons. The passage says they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and street corners. Something that's really interesting about that word stand. It's a participle and the tense of the participle takes it. It's hard to, to appreciate in translation here, but here's how it would be translated in the directly from the original language. After they stand in the synagogues and on the street corners, they love to pray. After they post in these really public places, then they love to pray. The implication is that they don't love to pray unless they have an audience. Part of the reason I've struggled with the sermon uh, preparation this week is because I'm just ashamed and embarrassed at the stuff that's coming out of this passage that's shedding a light on Ben McGraw. Man, I'm a whole lot more faithful finishing a prayer, starting and finishing even a thought and a sentence with God when there's an audience. Now, I think there's something to that praying with a small group of people, not so that you're going to impress one another, but so you can hold each other accountable as you, one another agrees with each other's prayer. But it, just that statement alone helped me appreciate there are times when I don't pray because there isn't an audience. There are times when I sit down to a meal by myself, maybe I race home for lunch and I gobble down lunch and I don't take two seconds to thank God for that meal. But if my family's around the table, now I'll pray. But man, I confessing, confessing to you, and I'm ashamed of that. My tendency to pray when I have an audience in contrast to when I don't. It makes the definition of the hypocrite a little uh, uncomfortable where you realize maybe there's some measure of that in all of us. The hypocrite says love to pray in the synagogue and on the street corner. Now, the privilege of leading prayer in synagogue meant that you were an upstanding person, highly esteemed in the religious community. This might be like being asked to pray at a city council meeting locally. It might be like being asked to pray at a board meeting or some um, maybe uh, uh, to pray at the swearing in of some judges. I've, been, I've had the opportunity to pray at a, city, at a few city council meetings and to pray at the swearing end of some judges. And both of them were, were daunting tasks because it's hard to not consider what's everybody going to think about my prayer? Are they going to think that I did a good job? Am I going to fumble all over my words? Is it going to be meaningful? Who am I praying for? Am I speaking to God? Or am I trying to impress everybody in the room? Man, it's crazy how hard that is. And you can imagine in this context how the hypocrite would love to pray in that context. I can confess that I didn't love it. I was willing to do it, but I didn't love it and I don't race to it. The hypocrite, hypocrite though, loves to pray in a place where they're going to be highly esteemed. What we're talking about here is social standing. Man, that's what matters to the hypocrite, social standing. They also like to pray on the street corners. In the Greek, that's actually translated on the corners of the broad streets. They like to pray on the corners of the broad streets because, see, the narrow streets just won't do. There's just not enough traffic. We need some more traffic to really draw attention to our prayer. Now, I have to confess, too, I got a little uncomfortable here. Because there is an excitability that goes along with a full worship center on a Sunday morning. That's not so much there when it's half full on its uh, Labor Day weekend or something like that, where people are traveling and people are gone. You kind of have this human thought that, oh, well, this must not be as valuable and, and as impressive. But if this room is full, then, man, you're intoxicated with that. 
There's something that connects here where I got a little bit uncomfortable with this realization that they were drawn to the broad streets vice the narrow streets and something that I want to be as I preach on Sunday mornings, whether I'm preaching and looking at a number at the top of the screen to see how many people are logged on, whether there's one or a thousand. I want to be the kind of worshiper, the kind of preacher, the kind of follower of Christ that is going to give him everything I've got where he's the primary audience. But man, the hypocrite, they're going to be drawn to the larger numbers and quite excitable um, and quite um, stirred by the notion of the broad streets. The hypocrite is ultimately self-centered and self-interested um, in their own glory more than the glory of the Lord. They are interested in social standing. So ultimately they're drawn to seeking their self. They are self-centered. Now, since people have a natural tendency toward this, Jesus turned his followers to the hidden places to pray privately. Last week, as we touched on that, the, on prayer, the notion of prayer and hypocrisy, Greg and Fields and I were talking on, on Sunday or Monday, and Greg, would, he, he had a nice word that I appreciated. He said, in some ways, when you're going to uh, the, the prayer closet or you're going to that place of solitude to pray, that the Lord is habituating you there. He's habituating you away from the things that you might be drawn to, like an audience, and drawing you to, habituating you to his presence. Um, and in that case where we are drawn into his presence through the habituated work of praying in your prayer closet or praying in solitude, we find there an audience of one who's not impressed. He's not impressed with the words you used. He's not impressed with the intonation and the, the, uh, the, the tone and the way you handle your, your, your deep uh, theological thoughts. He's not impressed. He's just your father and you're just there habituated to his presence and no audience. And it's there too in beauty that we can find that we are free of concern over using the right words. It's there that we can find that we uh, are free of impressing with just the right inflection. And it's there we find a God who surprisingly just wants to walk with us in the cool of the day. Just wants to spend time with us in the cool of the day. What a wonderful father we have. Don't pray like the hypocrite who is self-centered, seeking self-glory. Secondly, in verse 7 and 8, we'll consider the Gentile. This is new territory for us. Verse 7 and 8, And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. These uh, little um, uh, parts of this passage here, the empty phrases and the many words. The empty phrases actually in the original language is a word that means babble. Okay, it means to speak thoughtlessly, to speak futilely, or to stammer. Apparently the Gentiles in praying to their lowercase g gods had a practice of using nonsensical combinations of sounds that were believed to have special power. Like maybe a word that we can relate to would be abacadabra. Some sort of nonsensical phrase that is connected. Close that door, Dan. That's connected to this thought of some sort of uh, special power, and it appears that the gist of this "don't babble, don't stammer, don't offer up empty phrases" seems to be, "Don't seek to use some mystical language to communicate with God. Pray instead in your everyday language." Now, I can think on maybe one hand the number of times in the life of our church where I've spoken about uh, sort of the charismatic practices of tongues and things like that. I don't deal with it unless it's in a passage in front of us. And it's it. I think we're, we have an occasion to deal with it right here. And I'm more than willing to speak further about this. You could speak with uh, each of our elders. Uh, we haven't colluded on this to see if we all agree with this. But I believe this speaks to the notion that there is no case for a nonsensical prayer language taught by or practiced by Jesus. I'm going to say that again because I want you to hear what I'm saying there. A nonsensical prayer language that no one can interpret, that is no language that's known here on earth by anybody else. There's no case for a nonsensical prayer language 
taught by or practiced by Jesus. In fact, he seems here to condemn that notion of some sort of babbling. The Gentiles also apparently believed that their prayers needed to be very long to accomplish what they hoped. Uh, I'm sure some of you have had papers that you had to turn in for an English teacher or English professor where there was a, a minimum word count. I've read some of those papers. I've written some of those papers and I've read some of those papers from my own kids. And uh, a couple of our kids have no problem meeting those requirements. And then one of our kids, I think at times might come up with extra words just so he meets the requirements. And I'm not going to tell you who their initials are, Daniel McGraw. I'm not even going to tell you who they are but they might actually have to work to come up with the words to meet the requirements. That's not what's going on in prayer here. The Gentile God or the Gentiles pray to their lowercase G gods with gobs and gobs of words, thinking that all the words heaped up, piled up with the empty phrases would be enough to convince those lowercase G gods to hear their appeal and hear their prayer. But Jesus taught, he said, don't pray this way. Just don't do it. Instead, the appeal is trust your heavenly father who knows your needs even before you even ask him. You're not winning over a reluctant deity by badgering him with empty phrases and voluminous words and word counts. There's a great example and just any, any chance I have to revisit an Old Testament story is, is really fun. But this one puts, uh, put, really puts the contrast of the prayer to our Heavenly Father or puts a, a nice contrast of the prayer to our Heavenly Father uh, in, in, uh, in contrast with prayer to um, the lowercase g gods. Listen to the, the account of Elijah and the prophets of Baal. The prophets of Baal took the bull that was given them. This is in 1 Kings chapter 18. Just listen to this. The prophets uh, of Baal took the bull that was given them and they prepared it and called upon the name of Baal from morning until noon. Big word count saying, oh, Baal, answer us. But there was no voice and no one answered. And they limped around the altar that they had made. And they prayed so hard it gave them like a limp, like a walking like Festus out there. They had a hitch in their get along. They prayed so hard. And at noon, Elijah mocked them saying, cry aloud for he is a God. Either he, he is musing or he is relieving himself. Man, Elijah, boy, he wears them out. He says, or he's on a journey or perhaps he is asleep and must be awakened. And they cried aloud and cut themselves after their custom with swords and lances until the blood gushed out upon them. And as midday passed, they raved on until the time of the offering of the oblation. But there's no voice. No one answered and no one paid attention. Now contrast that with Elijah's prayer. At the time of the offering of the oblation, Elijah the prophet came near and said, O Lord, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known this day that you are God in Israel, that I am your servant, and that I have done all these things at your word. Answer me, O Lord, answer me, that this people may know that you, O Lord, are God and that you have turned their hearts back. Then the fire of the Lord, like right then, <laughs> the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt offering and the wood and the stones and the dust and licked up the water that was in the trench. Man, a contrast between what it means to pray to a heavenly father that already knows what you need with praying to the lowercase g gods. Followers of Christ have a relationship with the father that's intimate enough and close enough that we don't need to try and persuade or manipulate a reluctant God. Instead, we're talking sincerely, simply, and thoughtfully with our loving Father, just like you hopefully use simple and direct talk with those you love and walk with. The most telling thing about the Gentile prayer is a little subtle, and I wanna draw this out because I think it sheds some light maybe on how we may often pray. This phrase, and I'll go look at it again. I want to read this passage again because I want you to see it. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases that Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. What's implied there is the Gentiles prayer, the prayer of the Gentiles to their lowercase g gods is their goal is to be heard. Their goal is to be heard. 
Apparently, it seems by their empty phrases and their many words that they're more focused on their lowercase g gods hearing their requests and on their lowercase g gods bending to their will than the other way around. Man, Gentile prayers are self-seeking. If the hypocrite prayer is self-centered, the Gentile prayer is ultimately self-seeking. God, I want you to hear my prayer and I want you to bend to my will is the character of the Gentile prayer. Now, let me round this out a little bit. There's nothing wrong with bringing your petitions to the Lord. In fact, you were commanded to do that. We are Moses puts on display a number of times over the course of the story of the, the, the journey with Israel, with the Israelites, occasions where he prays. And it seems as even if the, if the Lord relents and that the Lord bends to his will. I, I'm not sure that's what. The, in fact, I'm very sure that's not what's taking place. But there are times where it gives that impression. Uh, there's the persistent widow parable in Luke chapter 18, where the widow persists and she finds justice. What God is already just. We're encouraged in Philippians chapter four. Don't be anxious about anything commandment, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. It doesn't sound like it, but that's actually a command. It's an imperative. Let your requests, make your requests known to God. We are commanded to bring our petitions to God, but that the, the primary goal in the Christian prayer, the primary goal in, in prayer for followers of Christ is not that we, that God is heard, hears us and that God does our will. That's not the primary goal in prayer. The primary goal in prayer for us is coming to a father who already knows our needs. We're coming to him, praying to conform to his will and to come into alignment with what he wants. Man, let you let that sit on you for a minute. I want, I want to say it again because I want you to think about that. The primary goal in prayer for the follower of Christ is to come to a father who already knows our needs. And we come to him praying to conform to his will and to come into alignment with what he ultimately wants. The ultimate goal of the follower of Christ in prayer is to hear and to understand. In uh, marriage counseling, there are occasions where I have to, to spend time or I have the opportunity to spend time with a couple in marriage counseling or there are, there are occasions where uh, Christy and I have had things that we're trying to work through. And, and when things really go well for us, when things really go well in a counseling occasion where I'm working with a couple is when they are fighting to hear the other person. I want you to hear what I just said, fighting to hear, longing and pining to understand how the other person is feeling. That's when you're really getting somewhere. When in occasions where you're not going to get anywhere is when you just want to be heard. I just want to be heard. And when both people are feeling that way, I just want to be heard. What you got on your hand is an impasse. You got on your hand a conflict that's not going to be resolved. Things are terrible when people just want to be heard. It doesn't sound like much of a relationship. The Christian prayer, on the other hand, seeks first to hear and seeks first to understand God's will. Think about how this prayer plays out in the passage. Uh, as, you can, as we continue on, where we'll get to in these next few weeks, pray then like this. He's teaching us now how not to pray. Then he says, pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done. This prayer is front loaded with an acknowledgement and a burden for God's will to be done. And for the prayer, the worshiper, to hear and move in his will. It's coupled with petitions. They still bring their petitions to him. Give us our daily bread. Forgive us our trespasses. We forgive those who, who trespass against us. But it's front loaded with God. Your will be done. That is the burden of Christian prayer. Lord, your will be done. Bend us to your will through the work of prayer. We want to hear. We want to move 
in your will. Ultimately, that's the way Jesus prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane. Man, during Lent, we enjoyed, enjoyed those terrible, ter terrible hours. Enjoy, I use it in a, a very loose uh, sense. We enjoyed them in watching our Savior suffer for us and what he did, this unbelievable sacrifice that he made for us. But his prayer in Gethsemane, man, how did it go? Father, take this cup from me. I, I know you're able, but not my will, but yours. That's the Christian prayer. Not my will, but yours. Three times. And at the end of that, it said, okay. When Judas shows up with the entourage and the posse for his arrest, he says, okay, it's done. It's finished. God's will is going to play out now. I know what it is, and I'm going to walk it out. I'm being bent to his will. I'm being conformed to his will. There's a passage in, in Psalm chapter 37, verse 4, that I'd like to share with you. Chapter 37, verse 4, or Psalm 30, 37. It says, delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Man, doesn't that sound wonderful? We just delight ourselves in the Lord, and whatever our heart desires, we're going to be given. That's the Gentile interpretation. That would be the way the Gentile prays is I want to bend the lowercase g gods to my will. I want my will to be done, not yours, lowercase g gods. That's the way you would interpret this passage. Delight yourself in the Lord, and it's like a transaction. I'm going to delight in him, and he's going to give me all my stuff, all the things my heart wants. That's not what's being said in here in this passage from the psalmist in Psalm 37. Hear it a different way. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires. Of your heart. Delight yourself in him and he will transform your heart and change your heart so that your desires come into alignment with his will. Completely different interpretation, completely different meaning, completely different pursuit and hope and desire there. The Christian prayer reflects that kind of heart. Lord, not my will, but yours. Hypocrites pray self-centered, self-glorifying. Gentiles pray self-seeking. Not your will, but mine is the way the Gentile prays. But followers of Christ don't pray this way. That's how not to pray, self-centered and self-seeking. I don't know... Um, Many of you that I would call, I don't hope, hopefully I, none of us have folks that come to mind as you know, the, the first things that we think about is they are self-seeking and self-centered. Uh, but maybe some of you have that leaning. Um, the fact that I'm so um, reluctant to go on a walk and because I'm so busy and so focused on my own little tasks may be a sign that I lean in that direction. Going on walks with self-centered people and self-seeking people aren't going to be a lot of fun. First of all, you probably wouldn't even go on a walk with them. If all they're going to do is talk about themselves and all they're going to do is ask you for all the things you need to do for them, all the things they want you to do for them, you're probably not going to want to spend time with them. You're probably not going to go for a walk with them. But if you did, it's hard to imagine that you would really connect and hard to imagine you would really commune. That self-centeredness and that self-seeking disposition in the walker would make it really difficult to connect and commune. Now, here's the beauty for us. What Jesus has won for us through the cross, that walking in the cool of the day, that walking in the breezy, windy part of the day at three mile an hour access with our creator is, first of all, it's too fine to neglect. So we're going to work at it. We're going to work at engaging it and understanding it this week and in the coming weeks. We don't want to neglect it. We want to discover what it means to really commune with God, considering the price that was paid so that we can do that. It's too fine to neglect. And it's also too fine for self-centered, self-seeking purposes. And it's meant for communion. It's meant for connecting with and walking with our creator for just spending time just with him, just seeking to understand and enjoy and connect to our Father in heaven. Let's pray. God, help us 
with our busyness. Help us slow down to enjoy what was so wonderfully won for us. Lord, in this season where we've had a taste of it that's been forced on us, I pray some of the slow uh, character of this season, some of the windows that we've had that were with, with space that was left only to cook and go for walks, that those will survive this season or that we will walk those seasons out, connecting well with each other and connecting well with you. Lord, help us in our busyness to slow down, to enjoy each other and enjoy you. Lord, also help us with our relentless focus on ourselves. Relentless focus on ourselves. Our self-centeredness, our pride, our self-seeking nature. Lord, please liberate us from that bit by bit, day by day, occasion by occasion. Pry us from ourselves so that we will be drawn to the greatness of our God. Lord, we beg for this and pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. I'll give you a minute to go ahead and get your supper prepared. I'll be reading an account from Matthew chapter 26. I believe it's the same account I read last, last week. But one of the things I want you to consider uh, as we're distributing elements, both here and there, is just consider this prayer that he teaches. Uh, as he's teaching them to pray, it begins with the words, Our Father. Every week that we take the supper, we are considering and enjoying the, the ability that we have to call our creator, our father, was hard won through the person and work of, the, of, of Christ on the cross. And we celebrate and we enjoy this cross and we remember this cross every single week. So as we take this supper in these next few minutes, just consider that our gods in some ways dropped handles with us. He went beyond dropping handles with us to actually let us call us his father. That Christ's work was so profound that it made of his enemies, now his children. Not just not enemies, not even just friends. He made, actually, let me rephrase that. He made children, his children of his enemies so that we can call him our father. That's how wonderful and profound the work of Christ and his cross was. Let's consider this passage as we prepare to take the supper. Now, as they were eating, Jesus took bread and after blessing it, he broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, take and eat. This is my body. And he took a cup and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them saying, drink of it, all of you. For this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. Listen to what he says next. I tell you, I will not drink again of this fruit of this vine until that day when I drink it anew with you in my father's kingdom. And based on what he's teaching us elsewhere, we could also say in our father's kingdom. Let's enjoy what Christ has accomplished for us as we can daily pray to our Father in heaven. Let's take and eat in faith. Let's take and drink in faith. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for what you work for us in Christ. Thank you for calling us your children. Thank you for giving us the ability to approach your throne of grace boldly. Lord, we confess and acknowledge and enjoy and celebrate the only way that we can prance in there as your children, calling you Abba, Father, is because of the person and work of Jesus Christ in our union with him by faith. Lord, we love him. We need him. We're so thankful for his teaching to us and how to commune with you. Lord, we want to commune with you well. Thank you for making a way for us to walk with you in the cool of the day. I'm praying these things in Christ's name. Amen. Let me share our announcements again. I shared these at the very beginning. Stick around for our benediction here in a moment. Our benediction is coming from 2 John, uh, the often visited book of 2 John. Uh, but let me share a couple of announcements. First of all, I want you to encourage, to invite, encourage you to invite others to join us online. Hopefully we're not gonna be at this a whole lot longer, but it is a great occasion for someone to connect to the, the teaching and preaching of the word, that they can come to know our Lord through the preaching of the word. That's what God has used for a couple thousand years to uh, 
to share Christ, that someone could come to know Christ through the teaching and preaching of the word through this medium. I encourage you to invite others to listen, folks who may never darken the doors of a, a church building. Uh, let me give you a couple of dates that we're talking about and planning for as staff and leadership, elders and deacons were, and, and life group shepherds were sort of aiming at these dates, just trying to connect with some runway so that we have some things lined out and prepared. We're looking at May 31st to move to phase two worship, where we're worshiping in life groups. Life groups uh, would probably gather on a Sunday morning uh, and, and hear the live feed together, take the supper together. Uh, they may have a time of worship and song uh, that, that comes through the live feed, um, uh, possibly pre-recorded or possibly live, uh, depending on if, if our, our band joins us in the worship center. But at that point, I'll probably be preaching from the, the worship center in the more familiar setting. We'll probably have a life group uh, or we could have a life group gathering here in the foyer. We might have a life group gathering at the end of the hallway in the children's wing there. We might have a life group gathering at the youth building. So then we're beginning to sort of populate our space here, but in a way that's conducive to phase two uh, transitioning in our community uh, based on the guidelines. That could happen sooner. A lot depends on where our community is and, and what the guidelines are at that point. And we're hoping for phase three worship where we're gathered together in one building on Sunday mornings uh, by June 14th. So that's that's our goal day, just trying to, to prepare some planning uh, for those dates. Uh, those could happen sooner, uh, but we are being very careful. Uh, we're not moving in fear. We're not moving in anxiety. Um, our, our religious liberty is not at stake here. We're trying to be good stewards and good neighbors, loving neighbors to our, our, our actual neighbors here in our community and not weaponize one another by moving in together too quickly. Uh, the opening up of our community is something that's going to play out in a couple of weeks. We're going to know two or three weeks from now what that how that's actually going to play out. And we may look back two or three weeks from now and go, man, gravy, let's do this thing. Uh, we may look back and say, OK, let's let's tap the brakes. We're trying to move carefully and move wisely as we transition by phases back into worshiping together corporately. Go ahead and stand, if you would, for the um, benediction. Let's receive this benediction together. This is from Second John, verse three. Grace, mercy, and peace will be with us from God the Father and from Jesus Christ the Father's Son in truth and love. Amen and amen. Y'all have a great week. Thanks for joining us this morning.